Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. You just should watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm here in an undisclosed location giving you the special election report, the disputed presidential election of 2020. The fight continues. Judicial Watch is taking a leadership role in uh, not only educating the American people about the election, but actually pursuing investigations related to the election. And I'm pleased to tell you that we've launched a massive investigation into the six so-called battleground states, Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia. I think North Carolina, I'm not sure about North Carolina. So I've lost count whether that's five or six. Well, anyway, the states that you should be worried about in terms of whether the votes were fairly and accurately and lawfully counted, we are separately investigating uh, we're not going to rely on the uh, government or the political parties or the campaigns to figure it out. Uh, this is why Judicial Watch is around. We're an independent watchdog group. You know, we did something similar in, 22, in the year actually 2000, uh, where uh, Judicial Watch uh, sought access to the ballots and separately did its own audit. So there will be an audit done of what went on in these states. The question is, is it going to be done in time? Uh, to impact the results one way or another. Uh, and, you know, there could be audits officially in the sense that state legislators or state officials conduct one, or the courts require one, uh, or potentially Congress requiring it. But either way, Judicial Watch has abilities to do at least some of this key oversight separate and apart in a, in a fair-handed way uh, that I don't think you can fairly expect from the media who has zero interest in figuring out what really went on. Uh, in these instances. So uh, just to bring us back up to speed, the uh, Trump administration, excuse me, the Trump campaign filed a big lawsuit this week in Pennsylvania, highlighting and putting on the record allegations of voter fraud and voter misconduct and maladministration that calls into question the results of the Pennsylvania election as they're currently being reported. Now, if you recall my report to you last week, I highlighted the federal law, 3 U.S.C. Section 1, that seems to require that we, uh, the states select the electors on Tuesday, meaning the election day. I'm paraphrasing. You can go look it up yourself, 3 U.S.C. Section 1. And it raises questions, obviously, about not only counting ballots that arrive after election day, but counting ballots past election day, and certainly counting ballots past election day in a, in a way that changes the results of the ballot counts that occurred on election day themselves uh, itself uh, and you know they screwed up uh, it was foreseeable the left was telling us this was going to happen that the president would win on election night but not win on a uh, past uh, you know that he'd end up losing as these additional votes were counted votes that frankly can't be given much credence given the way they were handled and counted and from where they came uh, when you have in states like Georgia, for instance, uh, have voter ID for in-person voting, but practically speaking, no voter ID when you vote by mail, how's that supposed to work? You have two different sets of standards 
for voters, depending on how they vote. Does that sound legitimate to you? Now, getting back to the court case in Pennsylvania, I encourage you to review the filing made by the campaign, not because I'm supporting the campaign, it's because I think it raises significant issues that any American would be concerned about. They make the allegation that, uh, and I think it's been confirmed, it's, it's just a matter of uh, what their relief will be, that uh, 600, north of 600,000 ballots, mail-in ballots, or ballots generally were counted in Pennsylvania, specifically Philadelphia and the Pittsburgh area, without the required observation by the Trump campaign. The law requires that you have uh, an opportunity uh, to observe the ballots and they were present, they were prevented any meaningful opportunity to preserve, to, uh, to observe the ballot counting. And so when you have illegally secretive balloting, ballot counting, that obviously ought to raise questions about whether uh, those ballots were uh, fraudulently counted or were should be counted at all. And that's one of the key issues that the campaign is raising. So when everyone tells you that there's no chance in Pennsylvania of anything happening, well, that's simply not true. It's simply not true. This is a very substantial, uh, credible claim in my view. Uh, also, it raises uh, the case, they raise the question of uh, some votes being more equal than others in uh, Pennsylvania, kind of kind of like uh, the issue I raised in Georgia. But more specifically, law prohibits them from touching ballots before election day, more or less. And what was happening in Pennsylvania was that in, uh, as the lawsuit alleges, that in Democrat counties, they were looking at the absentee ballots, handling them and effectively processing them, and seeing if they were deficient in some way. And if they were, they were actively trying to get the ballots cured or fixed by communicating with voters. The problem is in uh, Republican-oriented counties, that was not taking place. They were actually following the law. So you had, you had more ballot harvesting, more or less, or voter harvesting taking place, contrary to law, in Democrat Biden-leaning counties. And so that raised an additional legal claim that they were brought in, equal protection and variations of that, uh, that they're raising with the court. So those are two big issues. There are other issues that the, the, the complaint uh, raises, but I thought those were the two most important ones uh, worth considering. Uh, so I don't know what the court's going to do. They've got the briefings due and everything's due uh, this weekend and there'll be a hearing on it next week. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening in the other jurisdictions. Uh, certainly there's more than enough information out there in the form of affidavits, evidencing voter fraud, in, 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 the, uh, in the sense of the structural issues I've raised where they were counting ballots, changing the results as counted on election day, and then having a new candidate winning within days. It's now 10 days after the election and we still don't have uh, essentially, uh, you don't have literally certified results. Obviously that, you know, that, that's a very different legal issue, uh, but we still don't know who quote won in practical, uh, practically speaking, in these key states, because they're still counting and they still haven't figured it out. Now I know the media is calling elections, but that's a legal and political uh, decision they're making that I would dispute. They're not basing it on numbers alone. And the AP, the Associated Press, had a story the other day of essentially confirming that that they look at the numbers, but they also make judgment calls about the political and legal. 
challenges to the election outcomes or the election counting and tallying. So they're they're putting their thumb on the scales in favor of Joe Biden. Uh, I think inappropriately so. I mean, it's one thing to have someone on election day leading by 200,000 votes, and it's pretty clear how it's going and you make the call. It's another thing to say, oh, this is all very close. This is disputed and we really can't make the call because to make the call essentially judges the legal and other um, claims and uh, processes available to the candidate. Now, uh, I know that's a judgment call in the end, but let's recognize it's a judgment call in the end. So uh, don't let's not pretend this is, uh, as I say, the Constitution doesn't allow, doesn't give the media the right to select the president or call him president-elect. That's just the political statement at this point, to be fair. So uh, Judicial Watch is, is taking a leadership role on this, highlighting these issues. Uh, we also have separately, uh, people are much more interested in this information now because we've been highlighting it for months and years, practically speaking, the fact that the voter rolls across the country are dirty. In Pennsylvania, our lawsuit to clean up the rolls have found nearly 800,000, quote, extra names. We did a more recent analysis just in Michigan. I tweeted it out the other day. Over 654,000 extra names on the rolls. And by, by extra names on the rolls, I mean people on the rolls who shouldn't be there, practically speaking. Michigan, statewide, they have 10% or so. I think it's 9%. more people on the rolls than are living there and eligible to vote. Think about that. They got more people on the rolls than are supposed to be there. And we're supposed to accept as reliable mail-in ballots from lists that are run by people who can't track who's there and who's not. You're right to be suspicious. Now, constitutionally speaking, let me remind you uh, again, the press doesn't decide who the president is. And if there's a legal process or, or a uh, election process that is rife with fraud under our constitution, the states have plenary power to appoint electors as they see fit. So if there's a demonstration of fraud either in court or practically speaking as a result of their own independent investigation in Pennsylvania, for instance, Pennsylvania can reject the electors that would have been appointed in favor of Joe Biden absent the fraud and appoint electors in favor of President Trump. And in, in certain states, you may even have two elector slates being appointed and then the Congress has to decide what to do. Or Congress could decide what to do in January. Let's say Pennsylvania appoints electors in favor of Joe Biden despite the substantial concerns that I've raised. In sent the Senate, and the House have independent ability to question that and reject the electors. And then it would go to the House and they would select who the president is among the top three vote getters. This is the way it goes. You vote. And the only reason you vote in the states is because the electors have given you the right to vote. I mean, excuse me, the legislatures are giving you the right to vote. The right to select electors, the power to do that and how that's done constitutionally speaking, resides with the state legislature and they can take it back at any time. So the vote for president is obviously voting for members of the electoral college, a process set up by your state legislatures. 
the state legislatures and or their the officials that they currently uh, allow to do this under law certify the result and then the electors vote as part of the electoral college process in the middle of December. Then on January 6th, the new Congress is supposed to meet together and count the votes and essentially confirm and ratify the electoral college selection of the presidency of the president and vice president. Now, if there's a challenge, uh, this is how it would go. A member of the house and a member of the Senate would have to challenge uh, who uh, uh, elector electors or essentially slates, whatever you want to call it. And then they go meet separately. Uh, and you could get a situation where the House, for instance, wants to bless the Biden electors out of Pennsylvania and the Senate wants to reject the Biden electors out of Pennsylvania. And frankly, I'm not sure what happens next. I mean, I've looked at it very carefully. It's not clear what happens next, whether that means they can't really vote for president and it automatically goes to the House or maybe the House, you know, uh, ends up voting, uh, you know, maybe it's just completely frozen and nothing happens and everyone has to negotiate. I'm not sure what happens. But uh, in it, the point being, the state legislature at any time can choose not to ratify, uh, not at any time, but practically speaking, if Pennsylvania doesn't like what's going on, the legislature, in terms of how this election was handled, they can choose a slate choose an alternative slate, call a snap election. Again, as I said, Congress, had, uh, the legislatures have plenary power here. And, uh, and then of course the Congress ultimately blesses all of us as well. So what does this mean for you? It means that you should communicate with your state legislators, especially if you're in the states at which, uh, at which the counts are at issue and let them know what you think. I'm not gonna tell you what to say. I just told you what my concerns are. You may or may not share those concerns. And similarly, talk to your uh, elected members of Congress and the Senate. And I can tell you, I've raised this issue. I've asked uh, uh, some very important people in Washington about it who are in, in the Senate. And they're not all that thrilled for have, to have to even consider this. So if you want them to strongly consider their role here and, and exercise it fully, they need to hear from voters. They need to hear from citizens. And similarly, if you're in a different state, let's say you're in Texas, let's say you're in um, Ohio, and uh, you know states that you know states that voted one way or another. And and the same goes if you support Biden, because I, I understand you know this is a political battle in the end, isn't it? Right? It's a judgment call as to whether there's this this fraud that I allege should be ratified or not. And if you don't agree with me, you're going to say, oh, no, Biden was elected free and fair, and these numbers are showing that, and they should be confirmed. But I'm highlighting the fact that every state has an interest in this. If you're in Texas and you don't want your vote to be obviated and negated, call your senators and congressmen, tell them to object. Same goes if you're in New York. You call your members of Congress and senators if you want Biden's votes to be vindicated. But I don't know about you, but when I see evidence of fraud, I get upset. And when I see a process that's a complete black box in terms of transparency, illegally secretive balloting, I get upset and I presume the worst and we should presume the worst. It's up to them to prove the votes are legal when they do something illegal. 
So we're right about it. And um, as far as I'm concerned, the media has been irresponsible in terms of pressuring and trying to really just pushing propaganda uh, to help uh, Joe Biden this, in this election dispute. I mean, the latest you have these Republicans saying that Biden should be given immediately immediate access to classified information. To be fair, I'm not sure what the law requires, but if I were President Trump, I would say Joe Biden, frankly, if I were any president, I'd say Joe Biden is a security risk. We have evidence he and his family were involved in um, uh, money laundering and a RICO-style operation with China and other countries. We already know he, he's abused. There's evidence he abused his previous access to classified information in targeting General Flynn and President Trump. And therefore, I'm not going to give him classified information until the law requires me to do so. And for as long as I can, I'm not going to risk our nation's security. That's what, what my position would be. And when they endorse and when the media endorses and pretends that Biden is president-elect despite ignoring the dispute, it raises foreign policy concerns. Already Joe Biden has been talking to foreign leaders and talking about what his policies might be. He's not president-elect, it's still a major dispute. Under Joe Biden's theory of the law, the Logan Act, which prohibits private parties from engaging in their own foreign policy, Remember, Biden was pushing the Logan Act to be used to go after General Flynn. That was what the Obama gang was doing because he was the incoming national security advisor talking to the Russian ambassador. He's doing the same thing. The hypocrisy is rich. And now, of course, I don't think Joe Biden was violating the Logan Act and doing this. But General Flynn wasn't either. And the double standards is it just shows you that the corruption uh, is just continuing here. And it highlights how President Trump isn't allowed to be president. They want him to stop being president now for all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes. And the coup is is uh, uh, just pressuring him and attacking his civil rights. He had a big firm protecting him or defending, uh, you know, advocating for his campaign and him up in Pennsylvania. They pulled out because they were targeted by the left. Their lawyers were personally targeted. Personal information was placed on the Internet. Their clients were being targeted. I don't think they should have pulled out. I think it was terrible what they did. But as a result, the president's right to counsel. The campaign's right to counsel, which is a legal and constitutional right. Even if it is civil litigation, was being viciously attacked and undermined. His civil rights are being violated. And don't be embarrassed about demanding accountability here because these are civil rights issues we're talking about. Your right to vote is a civil right. And the left would have you believe only they can vindicate civil rights. This is a civil rights issue. When Judicial Watch goes to clean up roles, when Judicial Watch represents the voters trying to make sure their votes are being properly accounted for, that's a civil rights issue. Voter fraud is a civil rights issue of our time in many respects. So Judicial Watch, again, we've got the litigation to clean up the roles already in place in California. Uh, well, in California, we had a big settlement leading to a process that it's now uh, removing up to 1.6 million roles, names from the roles. 
We've got ongoing litigation in Colorado, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. And on top of that, we've launched new investigations into this election crisis we're now in. And I want to know, and I'm sure you want to know, where is the Justice Department? John, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Attorney General Barr issued a statement, press release the other day, authorizing U.S. attorneys to begin looking at this uh, voter fraud issues. Of course, they always had that ability to do that, right? But where have they been? I mean, given what happened in Pennsylvania, given the delay in the voting, excuse me, delay in the counting, the refusal to abide by state law to keep, essentially violate the civil rights of President Trump and the people who voted for him. What do you think a Democrat Justice Department would have done? Or a left-wing Justice Department would have done? It's not necessarily Democrat, it's kind of leftist. They would have had FBI agents up there, U.S. Marshals, at least monitoring what was going on. This Justice Department's been AWOL. Oh, no, they haven't been AWOL. Don't worry, guys. They filed a brief the other day trying to shut down our core Clinton email case. That's what the Justice Department is doing. They're attacking Judicial Watch and protecting Hillary Clinton while just kind of watching silently as this our, uh, our, our election processes are being assaulted. So, uh, but on the other hand, the kind of the vicious attack that occurred on Barr for stating the obvious that we can investigate this shows you that they have something to hide because they really didn't say anything all that great in terms of, or momentous, I should say. The Biden people are very nervous about this litigation. They're very nervous about the arguments I'm making. Go online and see the reactions to Judicial Watch's statements on this and my statements on this. The president tweeted out a statement I made or a, a story, uh, an article I wrote for Breitbart.news. Breitbart News, was it Breitbart.com, excuse me. And the left is just completely off the hook in terms of their viciousness in responding. Because they know the rule of law, if properly vindicated, could likely result, despite what the media is telling you, likely result in the president securing his um, a second term. And again, I don't necessarily, you know, as president of Judicial Watch, I never told you who to vote for. And I'm not saying politically that I support President Trump winning and I hope he wins versus Joe Biden. You may know how I personally feel. I just want the elections to be free, fair, and clean. And by doing so, we are vindicating the rights of people who voted for Trump and Biden, because in the end, guys, they don't care who you vote for, because it's all about manipulating the process to get their candidate into office. And it doesn't matter if you voted for Trump or Biden, because they don't care. They're going to come there. They want the outcome to be what it is. So it's not just an attack on Trump voters. It's an attack on Biden voters. Because in the end, they don't care about their votes either because they think they're attacking the fundamental idea of having a role in deciding who the president is. And when they do that, they attack every American. So Judicial Watch is gonna keep on fighting for the rule of law. I hope the president keeps on fighting for the rule of law. He should use every available 
constitutional and legal remedy he has to make sure that there was no fraud in a way that uh, would require the results to be changed as we're currently being told what the results are. As I said, I don't trust anything as far as I'm concerned. Let, let me be clear. The Pennsylvania election is fatally compromised. It's irredeemably compromised. The way it was handled, it was unacceptable, unverifiable, and can't be given any credit. And the legislature needs to take action. And whether the courts confirm that or not is an open question, but we do know the legislature has independent authority to check it. And I still don't like, and I don't like what happened in Georgia. You have similar concerns there about the stalling of the counting and then the slow roll of results to change the in, initial results from Tuesday. The same in Wisconsin, same in Michigan. If I thought there was an honest process, because it's gone on in other states, I don't, you know, California, my guess is it's probably uh, some fraud there at many different races. I don't know. Or, or Vermont or Maine or, or any place they voted for. Biden. It doesn't mean that every election in every state was stolen, but there's been this unusual activity in these states. And I want to be sure, and I don't trust I can be sure, nor do I think the courts, the legislature or Congress should be trust for, should be trusting in what we're learning in um, uh, trusting in the election results in those various states. And it's not because I don't like the results, I don't like the process because the process seems to me rife with fraud. So with that, I'm gonna let you go. I gotta get back to work here uh, for you and the American people. Our colleagues are doing everything we can, uh, both in terms of investigating and looking at the various legal options to not only pursue this in the short term, but in the medium term and in the long term. And I encourage you again, contact your state legislatures, contact your members of Congress and tell them to do what they're able to do to uphold the rule of law and figure out what went on for real in the states I'm talking about, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and Arizona. Oh, and Nevada as well. So thank you very much. Have a great week. And I'll see you next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.